Wasn't that fun? Let's try something else. Inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook. A show about accessibility. Advocacy. And equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. Good morning and happy 2019, everyone. This is Outlook. Yes, hello. It's our first episode of 2019. <laughs> Hard to get that out sometimes. Yeah, I think I still labeled some things on my computer files I was creating as 2018 and then had to change them back because <laughs> I realized confusing. it's not the case. So, <laughs> welcome back. We've been gone for three, well, it's three weeks ago today was our last show. Really? Wow. Yeah, we took two shows off, and there were some repeats. Last week we heard a part from our, a segment from our first episode of Ketchup on Pancakes, which is our podcast that was aired last Monday, so if you tuned in and got to hear that, that's just a special little bonus episode for when we weren't able to be on the air, but we're happy to be back today, and what's our topic today, Carrie? <laughs> well, um... January is uh, National Braille Literacy Month, so there's plenty we could talk about about Braille, and uh, we're going to try and do some of that. Some, um, it's an interesting topic, I think, and I've had it in my life, all my life, pretty much. So I thought we could share some stuff and talk about what Braille means to our lives, mine and yours. But um, first, Brian, just sort of check in. So uh, I thought we'd sort of talk about what 2019 is looking like so far as much as we can look look towards the, the months to come I'm not good with again it's that word resolutions and that's not really what I'm talking about but I don't know if you have any of those yeah not not specifically resolutions um, <clears throat> sorry still kind of getting over a cold here so hopefully yeah it's it cold season too bad. I don't know yeah. how I missed it I'm usually the one with the yeah lower you're lucky system. with that this time around yeah, so I don't really have resolutions. I more so have just goals that I've been trying to stick to over the last few months, and I'm still kind of on those. And the main one being finding a job. I think I mentioned on the show before, I've been using a service here in London called Leeds Employment Services, which is an uh, organization help, which is, helps people with disabilities to find employment, and they have a lot of connections there and, and, and stuff. So got right back into it last week on January 2nd. They booked me in, so I was there, and then I have another appointment this nice. week. So it's looking looks promising there, so hopefully something will come of that this year. And then also just the music for me, keeping up with Your projects, projects I'm involved in and trying to actually get some recordings out online because there's tons on a hard drive there, but it's, it's all about mixing them and getting them out. <laughs> so yeah, those are kind of my, my main things for... For the moment, and how about how about yourself? Well, I don't want to like put you on the spot too much, but what's um, anything you want to share from your most recent, your New Year 2019 appointment you had? Any anything else on the horizons with that, or how was your last appointment? Did it go okay? Yeah, the last one was pretty good. They, uh, she asked me just a bunch of questions that they might ask on an interview for a job, mm -hmm. just a lot of standard sort of questions that you you often get like what you know. Have you been in, or give me an example of a situation where you've been in where you've had to work with a team and how did that go? Mm -hmm. um, trying to think of other examples. It's 
there definitely were a few kind of there's sort of yeah. standard questions that you would get at any interview, but you know if if you're not prepared for them. It kind of gives you something to think about in advance, so that when you are in that situation, you don't sort of hesitate for too long and sort of think, "Oh, how would I, how would I answer that?" Or they sometimes ask, like, "What's your, what's, what would you say would be your weakness in a in a workplace setting?" Or, um, and and again, in an interview, and Carrie and I both being blind and for and for you know other reasons, neither of us have had really a professional job interview. Well, I don't think you have, right? Not a professional one. No, I've had sort of variations for different volunteer positions and a few sort of here and there writing jobs I've had. So, But yeah, it's the kind of thing, it's like studying for a test. You know, there are some standard questions that that somebody would always sort of go to if they ask, well, what do you think they'll ask you at a job interview? And what's your weakness is, is one of the one of the big ones. Um, but yeah, it is hard when you're put on the spot. And it's and it's like when you when they ask a question like that for a, for an interview, it's almost like you have to you think of a weakness that you have, but you also kind of want to make that weakness have a sort of a positive side yeah. to it as well. Like my weakness might be that I'm kind of shy, so sometimes I'm not as as quick to ask for help if I need help with something, I maybe try to figure it out on my own. Um, Which leads to one of your your qualities is that you are very tenacious. You don't give up. Yeah, determined. You work through things. I start a task. You. I want to make sure I get it done. Yeah. So, so but the, the the downside to that could be maybe this could have been done quicker yeah. if you just ask someone like, and then you yeah, can move on so to the next thing. Yeah, you're so pig-headed and afraid to speak up. Uh, and that's the thing. You don't always know if that, that looks weak, like you feel like that's a weakness or something, but asking for help at the right moment is is, is a good skill to have to know when to do that. Um, yeah, mine would probably be <clears throat> the, the whole, sort of similar to yours, because we're kind of similar in those ways, but mine would just be the whole, yeah, like afraid to take, like same thing, I guess, ask for help, speak up, you know, it, it sort of ties into being shy, I guess, but, um, but yeah, the whole thing must be difficult and the little experience I've had with it, but it's a good skill. So that's a good thing. It sounds like they were doing with you. Yeah. So these, the interview questions was kind of what last week was mm. discussing. And then one other thing I want to quick mention before we get more into the Braille topic of like I said, today we have, we and this have, month. We have all month. Yeah, no, I know, but I, would, <laughs> I do want to get back to Braille for today because it's very specific to our blindness and our lives. But the other thing that came up was um, if if I'm looking into applying for a call center at a bank, mm -hmm. they have some connections there. And one of the things they'd want on a resume is your typing speed. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to figure out how we would test that. And the question was, is there an accessible uh, t um, speed test for t for typing? Well, how does that, that work? Would, I always hear people say what their speed is, and I don't know how you. Yeah, again, I'd have to I'd have to look into. I it, assume but, someone just time. Well, you could. No. T you, you, how do they do it? You could time it in a minute, but I think there is also a test where they'll sh they would show words? you stuff on a screen and you would just type it. There's got to be a or, yeah. There's got to be a test that, that or they do. it would be or it could be auditory in my case. Like you know, if I had a voice reading out something, then I could type it and you know see how much I could get through in a minute. And I think it also tests not some of these tests don't even just do test the amount of words you can type in a minute. They also test how accurate it is, the spelling. Mm. Like all sorts of things, right? So yeah, like for me, I'd think I would panic if I knew I was being tested. Like I seem, I come, I really do believe I have good typing yeah, speed. Yeah, that's a, that's sort of a, a common thing about our disability, not being able to see. Unlike some people who kind of can do that, or it's still not the best way, but there are people who kind of do that touch, 
tip typing sort of thing yeah, where it's like it one like finger, finger picking, pecking, just <laughs> one finger or finger a couple fingers. Um, so from you know from school and way back when we learned the home row and to have our fingers on the keyboard and sort of proper typing techniques. So that mm-hmm. in the end, in turn, sort of helps. Like I remember in school. All my classmates in like the sixth grade or seventh, they had this typing course. They had these little tiny typewriter things. They were yeah, I remember that too. It was way back, way back then, nineties. Yeah, in the nineties, they did that, and you know, obviously, it didn't talk. I couldn't use it, so that whole time, I think I just used my computer, and I don't know. I think sometimes for those, I had my um, educational assistant or whatever you call them Mm -hmm. um, beside me, and I think she would read if it was like a typing like type these letters and they'd show up on the screen you had to type them I think she would read them oh, out loud and I really? still had my fingers on the home row and would type oh, them oh okay no screen. I never participated they were just like okay no. just do some other work on your, your computer with your no, large, I remember with your large print well yeah I guess so. <laughs> I'm still using large print too, big black letters on the white screen or light letters on a dark screen um, but anyway yeah, though, so that's a good thing to do and I'm sure you had your moments where you kind of hum and hawed but I mean I yeah it seemed to go pretty well and she seemed seemed pretty had some my, tips my, uh, for when you Worker there seemed pretty, pretty good with what I've my answers were and stuff, and she kind of just gave me a couple tips about sort of keeping these questions in mind and maybe sort of prep, prepping some answers in advance for next time. And if once I do get an interview set up with a, a job, I might get her to sort of review the questions once more, maybe send me an idea, or I could even just do some research on that. And then yeah, the other thing is trying to find an accessible typing test. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do some research into that and see see what I can find hmm. before my appointment on Wednesday, but. Because she's not educated in stuff like that. She has no idea what, like, she helps people with disabilities all the time, but she has no idea. This question hasn't come up. It hasn't been discussed before, how a blind person would do that. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I didn't I didn't specifically ask her that. I don't know how many blind people she's specifically worked with before. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's it's hard to say. Maybe um, somebody, you might have some, just ask a few friends who might know. Yeah, or I'll do some research and see. But. Yeah. All right, well, that's good. So yeah, if we move on from t- uh, typing on on a computer with where you're seeing, or if you can see, you're you're well, seeing text on the screen. We go I was back to, just um, I was going to talk about my oh, th- so, thoughts for the coming year, but sorry, I just wanted to talk about this. I don't want to miss the Braille Day thing because it just happened. So. <laughs> no, we won't. All right. <laughs> um, but go first on. of all, for me, I think um, 2019. Uh, I'm looking forward to. We're both on the planning committee for the Canadian Federation of the Blind's um, national convention, which happens every May in BC at the moment. We hope to have one in Ontario in in one of the years to come. Um, So we're both on the committee for that, and I'm I'm just I'm hoping to get some experience. And there's an there's an example of working with a team there, um, if you wanted one, um, to plan it. So it's really difficult. I've never done it before. But I'd like to learn, and I'd, so when the convention happens, I'd like to kind of be front and center as being one of the planners and have seen sort of firsthand what that's like, you know, booking things and getting sponsors, and it's really hard to sort of top what they do in the United <clears throat> United States, but um, that's one of my things. Also, I um, I found out just before the holidays there that I got accepted on the my um, my city, which is Woodstock's Accessibility Committee. Oh, you did find out. I wasn't... I couldn't remember I if I told you. Yeah, I can't... I don't think you did. I don't remember. It wasn't my big announcement at the holidays. There's yeah. <laughs> a lot going on. But um, no, I, I, f- I found out right before Christmas. And I figured you would. I don't see why not, but... You figured I'd get on? Or you, yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought I would too. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't know how this works. Well, I was going to say, I don't know too many details on this. Nope. 
Um, and I guess it sounds like you don't either, but what have they, what have they told you so far? Is there anything coming up with that then, or are you just yeah. sort of waiting? So first of all, the um, application process I found a bit difficult, and it's one of those things that maybe you, with your tenacity, would have worked through it and found it. I got most of it done. It's just one of the last few questions they asked me. I try, Every time I tried to enter the information, it would... Um, Something, I, I, I took a screenshot or whatever the equivalent is of that with voiceover of what it's, what screen it kept bringing me to when I try to enter my information, but I, I don't know where I put that. So it's hard to give people an example, but um, it said something, it took me to this other screen that it wasn't, I don't think, supposed to. So again, you know, accessibility, is it is it a problem with the website or is it just that I'm not knowledgeable enough to bypass the problems that that might come up so I, I but I did let them know and so she asked I got an email the other day from the secretary I suppose who asked me um, what uh, what screen reader reader I use and so to, to try and figure she said talk to the um, accessibility the person in charge of the website so maybe I'll, I'll meet some people in person so you know, that's one of the topics. That's why I'm on there. I'm hoping to learn for the stuff we do with Federation of the Blind, the work we do there. Uh, but my first, the first meeting is Wednesday night. So I'm not sure what to expect, but she sent the agenda and everything. So I got to look that over and sort of prepare myself a little bit. And I will report back, sort of. Yeah, that's exciting. That can be sort of a weekly or bi bi-weekly or whatever. Whenever you have an update on that, it'd be great to discuss on this show. Yeah. So that's, I mean, those are my two big things I can kind of talk about at the moment. Um, other than that, it's just my writing and <clears throat> continue on trying to learn the violin and all these things. Find a job also. But we did a podcast, our most recent podcast for Ketchup on Pancakes we recorded on Boxing Day was sort of about all we did in 2018 and what's coming up this year so that's great so but first um first things first as they say we'll start with uh, january being all about braille yeah so this is just a recent um development i guess uh, about this first ever world braille day and that happened on this past friday is that right mm-hmm. january 4th january 4th so that's new through the united nations they just assigned um, yeah, so um, basically, I think they made it official that f- that January fourth fourth is right. Um, so that's that's uh, the birthday of uh, Louis Braille. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so Louis Braille was a Frenchman who was born in eighteen o nine in a little little village called Coupevray. And uh, so when everybody who talks about wanting to go to France, oh, I want to go to Paris, I want to do this, I kind of want to go to Coupevray. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's just recently that the United Nations has kind of started recognizing disability issues, I think, and specifically the day for Braille set aside, make it a day officially, which is yeah, the I first official good. World Braille Day as recognized by the United Nations. So that is that is very exciting because Carrie and I have both mentioned on the show that we're both Braille readers, and it's very important to our lives and literacy. It's a huge thing for literacy, in my mm-hmm. opinion, for spelling and grammar. You know, you hear a, a lot of people listen to a screen reader read what's on the screen to them, but then they don't actually have the words right in front of them to see. Yeah, I mean, you could, you can with your phone or with your computer go letter to letter if you want to know how a word's spelled, but people are less likely to Yeah, it's so. a little bit more work, whereas when you're reading Braille... It's just right there. I'm looking at the the article here about the, the World Braille, Braille Day, and I can just see it right in front of me to 
you know, the words are right here, to raise awareness of the importance of Braille for approximately 1.3 billion people living with some form of distance or near vision impairment. <laughs> On Friday, the United Nations is observing the first official World Braille Day. So anyway, yeah, it allows me to read on the air as well, whereas if I didn't have Braille, exactly. I might, the only way I could maybe do it without you hearing my screen reader talk over the air, which I could also <laughs> play for you if you want, um, I could maybe have uh, one earbud in my left ear and have the voiceover reading it out loud, and then I could repeat it into the microphone so you can hear it over the air. But that seems a lot more cumbersome to me. I, I much prefer yeah. reading the Braille. I mean... The point of this show, kind of, and you don't want to make that your life's mission, but it's sort of an important thing for those of us who are living with it, is um, to just do, like to be here, like we're, we are right now, shows that we can, and, you know, we're talking to the mics, you're using the board and all this stuff, you know, playing promos or whatever, and um, we have our, both have our Braille displays here, Um we try not to walk out of the studio and drop them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that did happen to me a few weeks ago. And these things are very expensive. I don't know how much yeah. we've discussed what the Braille display is on the show. We Ugh. may have come up. But yeah, it's pretty much a device that connects wireless to a phone or a computer. Oh, it just sucks because I just, as someone who used to be able to, you know, use a darker pencil or a marker and write, I just, you know, to buy a pack of pens and a, and a notebook versus to buy a Braille display, it's just... Yeah, well, there are... Other options for Braille, which options, we'll get into. Yeah, um, like a slate and stylus is kind of the old, oh, it is. oldest method and that I people guess would that's use, not, and that's very cheap, like yeah, relatively cheap and portable, and and everything. But it's also a lot more time consuming. I mean, once if you got used to it, but I yeah. neither of us used it that much because we grew up, you know, in a later time where these devices did exist. Well, I do um, know plenty of people. A lot of them are a bit older who do swear by the slate and stylus. You just slip your braille, your paper. But the thing is, you need a certain kind of paper, and it's just the whole thing. Um, you slip the paper in this long plastic or metal thing, and then um, close it down, and it's got all the braille cells, lines and line. You know, usually, what is it? I don't know how many lines are on it. <laughs> you can see how often I use them. Yeah, two, four. Is it four? Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, and then you use this little um, device, which stylus. is the stylus with this long, um, not sharp, but pointy end to, um, you know, press into the dots and make the words, which Braille is, which it's hard to know what the general public knows about Braille, yeah, some no more than others. Yeah, it's kind of a, a thing we can sort of get into more detail to describe exactly how Braille works, but... Yeah, and then with a, with a slate and stylus, you can only do a few lines, and then you have to you have to unhinge the the slate and move the paper down so that it um, moves over to the next few lines. Yeah, and that's... So it's, it's, a, it's definitely a little bit more... It's more tedious than having to than being just opening up a notebook and picking up your pencil. Yeah. That's all. So anyway, yeah, there's there's ways around it and it's, you know, it's not maybe as cheap, but it's it's getting better and better over time. So it's... But just to think that this was in, invented in, um, like, what when was the actual year he invented Braille? Are you aware of that? Anyway, it was... Yeah, um... So he was born in 1809, and they say he invented Braille when he was 15. So um, just for a quick brief history, um, he lost his eyesight when he was a couple years old. His father, um, I don't know the title, he made um, like harnesses and um, saddles for horses and things, bridles, I guess, or whatever. I'm not a horse aficionado, so I don't really know the terms, but um, he had a shop on his 
on their property. And his son, Louis, walked in there one day, and as children get into things, he picked up a two, tool ca- called an awl, awl? A-W-L, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, put it, stabbed his eye, and eventually infection spread to both eyes, and he went totally blind, which sounds terribly painful. To I always imagine being in 1809, 10, or 11, and that happening. It sounds dreadful, but... Um, so first they sent him to their village school and he sort of kept up because he was a very bright child, but he obviously couldn't keep up. Um, and back then attitudes about blindness were a lot different. He was eventually sent to a school in Paris that taught blind children. Um, but it sounded like a terrible place. You know, it wasn't well kept up. Um, it was like a boarding school, but back then all they taught kids were blind children and people were you know useful things like you know how to how to make things that they could you know basket weaving I suppose or something like that these skills that might get them get them some money much needed money um and then they had these books of raised letters which were I think like a fine wire yeah and I I was actually asked that question recently um, a friend came over and one of his friends that I'd never met and he asked when I mentioned Braille he asked if they if I've ever if they've ever had like raised print that I could read mm. instead of Braille and like you just mentioned that was that was tried out in that point at that point but I guess it's just it's definitely not as well yeah I fast mean, and like these easy days to read, these days since I I was able to see print um, when I was younger if I come across um, a sign that is tactile I can feel it I can if the, fa- if the wording isn't too fancy, I can usually make out what it says. So that is a thing, and you and it is obviously still around, but, you know, those books were harder to produce, and they did take up more space, which is, I feel silly um, saying that, as, as Braille takes up more space than print, but um, still. So he just sort of wanted another method. So basically, he was 15, they say, at school, and a um, an, someone from an, the army came to visit the school and talked about this... Um, the way they had to communicate in the dark. And he sort of took, he just sort of took that and ran with it and invented this six dot code, six braille cells, uh, braille dots in a cell. As well. Right, so that's cut, so was sort of derived from the army for the code that they had to use to mm, be able like to communicate. It's called night write, um, writing. Yeah, so it kind of, that's an interesting example because it shows of something that wasn't even originally sort of meant for blind people that he mm-hmm. was able to sort of take that idea and bring it into... A different, you know, a different, uh, lost for words here, um, <laughs> a different situation yeah. and different, different people. And I, I am lost for words every January 4th because I don't know, I don't know, <laughs> I get kind of emotional. I don't know how to, I, I don't know how I would thank him if you were alive Well, it is, today. it is just so neat that this, this invention was, you know, a couple hundred years ago. And it's still being used. You know, most things are get replaced over the over the years, or a lot of things do anyway. And there've been little and, updates here yeah, and there. Yeah, there's there different been, updates in the in the Braille code, and people and have all been that, questioning but, whether it should continue. But I, I yeah, really unless something else comes out that seems better, I can't I can't imagine it being replaced at this point because it is, you know, it, even though it may take up a little bit more space, it is a very efficient way of of reading and literacy. And so I think for the rest of the month, we'll kind of just talk about Braille and in, in different different forms and uh, different subjects around Braille. There's a lot to talk about, and um, I do hope for some good episodes to come in 2019 here for Outlook, and we are on Twitter, right? Yeah, we're on Twitter at Outlook CFB, so check us out there. We post links to all of our episodes, so keep up on that. 
And yeah, we'll be back next week with more discussion on Braille amongst other topics. Yep, see you next week. Have a good week.